0: Welcome to the Bear Tiger podcast, episode 19. Can you believe? Yeah. Slightly different this week. We're in Dubai. I say we, James and I, although we're not sitting together because we don't have our equipment. So we're having to use some sort of mad app technology called Zoom. Uh, and we're, yeah, it's in different spots. How are you, Jimbo?
1: All good, mate. All good. and a bit of an injury from my wind today, but other than that, I'm in good spirits.
0: You've got wind today? Oh. Hey, here he is. Yeah, so we've had a couple of days playing golf. We had some filming yesterday over at Dubai Hills. We did a best ball break par. I broke par. James came in on the 18th with a lovely, lovely,
1: what, about a 10-foot part of the last for a par to get us out of jail? Yeah, it's good. So we broke, uh, well, we'll we'll let everybody watch it, shall we? See See how we get on. Yeah, it was, a, it was a solid day, a, quite a riveting start
0: on the first hole. And then James didn't quite have his best, you know, maybe a bit jet lag, got off the flight, got <laughs> it together a little bit in the back nine, started to contribute in some form. He contributed with some banter and some outtakes in the front nine. Game stepped up a bit on the back nine and then he carried that good form into today. And we had another match today, just him and I over at the heels and he finished with a fantastic birdie birdie finish to win one up. So well done, James. Round of applause there, mate.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's very rare that I beat you um, and uh, always savour it when I do. And uh, still bought lunch, so um, can't take all the wins at once, but, you know, enjoying it.
0: Yeah, good man. Unfortunately, we didn't actually really knuckle down what we were playing for, lunch or dinner. But I'm happy to buy you dinner when the chance arises. Also, we played yesterday, we played with a Canadian, Matt Boucher, I think his name is. Some of you might know him from social media. He's got quite a big follow on Instagram and he hit some crazy shots. So he's worth he's worth following. Nice guy too, wasn't he, Tim?
1: Oh, mate, really, really lovely guy. Also brought one of his powers along. He, he seems to have uh, an ongoing rivalry with fairly similarly, who was just a monster. I mean, just, uh, you know, apparently he's like 130, 135 club ed speed which he calls his gamer speed which is just astronomical so god knows what he can do when he wants to crank it just for the band but yeah really lovely guy i mean i used to think that i could hit a bit of a loopy draw as a left hander but this guy just took the biscuit i mean just saw shots that i didn't even uh, know existed and and was quite content curving it 60 70 yards hitting the ball high hitting it low i mean hit some unbelievable fairway woods with Sort of, you know, barely getting off the ground, weren't they? With, you know, thirty yards of curve on them, and was clearly an absolute player in his time. So yeah, no, it was uh, it was enjoyable, and enjoyable to play with a, a fellow lefty as well.
0: Yeah, he was, um, he was really good. We we were nearly outnumbered, Victor and um, I, with the you know, lefties and righties. But yeah, I'm actually going to post a video which I've actually just cleared with him that he didn't mind me posting, took a video of him on the 17th in a mad cut through with thing that I've actually managed to put a shot trace on, believe it or not. So yeah, I'm going to post up okay. on my Instagram to so go and check that one out. Um, awesome. Yeah, but let's uh, let's move on. I was out here for the DP World Championship. Got to commentate on the weekend. Did a bit of work with BBC Radio and then uh, local Dubai Eye Radio Station doing a bit of on course comms. Brilliant finish, brilliant wins. I mean, it was the leaderboard was really stacked, which was great to see. Really good for the DP World Tour, which really, uh, in my opinion, needed. so big. The start of the week was taken up by the chatter of world ranking points, what with a much less talented field in terms of world rankings being played at the RSM Classic over at the amazing Sea Island in Georgia, which had 150-odd players against the very talented high-ranking field here in Dubai, but only had 60 players. So John Ryan, early in the week, was more than happy to let everyone know that it was discussed that the low amount of world ranking points being handed out for the DP World Championship this week. But, you know, this is what the Boffins have come up with. And that is a the system. They know how it works. So, um, yeah, but really good, really good play from a lot of players. Unexpected as well. You know, the guys that seem to play well on the earth course uh, or, or it seems to suit their game have basically got like an ATM machine every time it comes back here. Hatton, McElroy, Fitzpatrick, Rahm. Just Fleetwood. they can't not shoot
1: 15, 16, 17 under. Tommy, Tommy's not, has he won the DP World Championship? He won, obviously, I think he had to finish in the top four, didn't he, that time to guarantee that he won yeah. the race to Dubai. So he came here and, and played well under the gun. But I think he's, you know, I think he's just never one of those players who albeit, be, uh, you know, a slightly subdued field, like always finishes in the top five or there or thereabouts. He's someone who, who I think enjoys it out here, obviously now moved here. Now got the coaching academy down at JG as well, but I think Hatton's probably the one, isn't he? He's he's really good each way money every time they come to the Jamira Golf Estates. Yeah, I would say Hatton's one. Rory's not bad though, is he? No, nah, Rory's uh, all right. Rory and John Rahm, jo- John Rahm is well, never Rahm, yeah. shot worse than
0: minus seventeen in the DP World Championship. That's his crap shit week, basically. So,
1: <laughs> funny
0: enough, he was he was a champion this week, and he kind of dominated. I feel like John Rahm had a point to prove. For a little while, because he is a class, class player, and he he's not really been in that conversation now for a while of being world number one. Without really playing, not play badly, um, he's just not redominated really like we know he can. He's always been there and thereabouts. He's just been out of that conversation for a while about world number one. And I feel like he's he's kind of got to the point where he's like, I'm fed up with everyone talking about everybody else. I want some attention back on me. And he's just he's absolutely busted this week. Unflappable, yeah, think- really. No one. No one got near him that last round. There was you know, thinking someone going to make a run, but I think maybe with Rory starting with a minus one in the first round it was just a bit too far back.
1: Yeah, and and I think um, I think to his credit with Ram as well. I think every time somebody turned it on a little bit, he found birdies himself, didn't he? Every, as soon as someone got within one, he pulled away again and, again and again and again and again and again, and just went on a went on a run. So I think a couple of players continue to play well in the final round both Norrin and hatton shooting kind of low rounds but he's just matched them shot for shot and whether he's a scoreboard watcher or it's just the very very natural trait but he's gone and found birdies at all the holes that everybody else is picking up on and uh yeah someone told me a statistic which i haven't uh checked, but uh, you know i'll, I'll I'll uh, respect them on their merits. said that Rams now won three of his four starts at uh, the earth course, which is, um, yeah, in line with your um, comment around course specialist. I mean, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty elite. So, yeah, he was just in a class of his own this week. I always think when his putter looks good, he seems to just keep putting rounds and rounds and rounds together. And uh, to Green golfer, he's been in the top five players now for a really long time, hasn't he? But when he uh, when he gets the putter hot, he seems to uh, he seems to dominate quite comfortably.
0: Yeah, well, his short game and putting has been a bit off this year, but his has still been exemplary all the way through. And as you say, like as soon as he starts to putt half decent, everyone's everyone's in bother, really, aren't they? That, that is it. But good to see Rory also finish off and take the DP World Championship year-long title. Sort of like just an absolutely stunning year to win the FedEx Cup, be number one in America on the PGA Tour, be number one in Europe and be number one in the world. Yeah. Just yeah, all credit to him with with everything he's kind of had going on. And what I mean by that is just the, you know, he's kind of taken the weight of this fight between the Live and the PGA Tour and he's been happy to be a spokesperson for the PGA Tour and give his opinions openly and really, you know, really stand up for a lot of the players. So, I think that's really galvanised him. I mean, we've chatted already on this, but it has really galvanised Rory and he's just... He, it, i saw some of his comments afterwards and he says he's he's more of a complete player now than he's ever been, he feels which if someone like Rory's saying that, that's that's pretty special. I mean, I think the big turning point this year has been he's been his wedge play. He's now gone from one of the poorer wedge players to being one of the best wedge players in the world, which has just been brilliant to see because he's now taken advantage of all those amazing drives that he hit.
1: Well, uh, I think that's the point. I don't think it's his short game. You know, I think he's, I think actually, it's probably one of his superpowers that can get talked about enough. How how good his hands are around the green. But I think I think is where he went through that little patch where maybe he was finishing well in tournaments but not getting wins over the line. Which just maybe his dispersion to the hole with what you know seemingly always seems to be a short iron because he just sends nukes out there time and time and time again he just it just looked like he was maybe hitting it to, to eighteen to twenty feet, you know, too often instead of having those ones where you get more kick ins or or really good looks from kind of four to four to tenth. And um he seems to just be hitting it stiff so much more now. Uh, and then, you know, and he, he seems to be a player that that thrives on um on playing on momentum and just goes on runs with birdies. He you knows when part fives come around he's he's got the ability to apex irons at like one fifty, one sixty and and give himself looks for Eagle probably as much as he does give himself looks for Birdie with a pitch and wedge route or a sandwich, which is just crazy. So now that, like you said, he's galvanised that and um, and really come through, it just looks like he could win every single week. He goes out on tour now, which must be an amazing feeling. But the same token is just obviously very tough for other players in the field. They just know if he's playing, they've got to find their best golf, which is what you probably want from a number one ranked player, right? We've been used to it with the dominant Tiger. So I think Rory's not only deserved to get to world number one, he's also very much entering tournaments playing like one as well.
0: Oh yeah, this is it. You know, Scottish effort for so long held that world number one without really having this kind of presence in a tournament. Like you could almost, almost not notice him being there, but you know with Rory, whenever he's there, you know, there's a real buzz about the place. And there were definitely that here at the Earthcourse. The Earthcourse is played pretty brilliant. When I first came here, I wasn't, wasn't that enamored by the air force? Didn't like it very much. Quite as a few kind of t shots, which you can't, you know, you've got to drive it over, you're hitting into a sea of bunkers. And then the main thing here is that the approach shots, you can't see where the ball finishes because you're playing uphill a lot or the big bunker guard in the front of the green. But once you get to know the course, as, as some of these players now do know, it is quite scorable because it's a long old track north of 7,500 yards. And this year, they grew the roughing. But you know what, what happens? is they make, The pair was a bit smaller. They grew the rough, But the good golfers hit down the middle. So, you know, there's not really an issue to them. Um, I was chatting to uh, Todd Clements, who's just got his card. Actually got to play a bit of golf out here last week. And he'd been over there in in the run-up to the event talking to some of the players. And they were really amazed by it. They thought it was going to play tougher this year than it ever had done. Yeah, the scoring was still, you know, it was all... I think the top 10 were all still north of, I think, 14 on the park.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I noticed from being very fortunate to be here on the Sunday and, and I walked around and watched and Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick and, and managed to watch uh, Rory and Noren play their nine holes as well, which is great. But being fortunate enough to play quite a lot of golf in Dubai over the last few years, I mean, I I haven't found... you, have you play more golf here than
0: anywhere else in the world.
1: <laughs> probably, uh, definitely since we were living here in 2020. I, I probably would say that I've definitely played as like a, mu- a, a much wider spread. I pro- it's probably, do you know what, actually Dubai, well, even though it's a city, but if you count it as a equivalent to a country, it's probably the golf course. It's probably the area in the world I've played the lion's share of the golf courses in. I, I don't think there's a course here that, I haven't played Balali. So a nice little track order there, the nine-hole down yeah, there. really nice. And I haven't played the Montgomery, but other than that, I've played every single course in Dubai. So I wouldn't be able to say that even about England. I've been a golfer there for twenty-five years. So um, yeah, I think I think probably right, don't they? Yeah, definitely is. But I think I think. I think the most noticeable thing for me was how na- how much more narrower it was for the pros from being an amateur playing around it kind of when it's normally set up for the members. I mean, uh, it, in areas, yes. uh, it looked 20 yards narrow in a fairway. I mean, they were landing the ball in, in strips, especially like holes like nine, which is a real killer of a long, long, long par four. You know, and that was that fairway that is probably sixteen to, to eighteen yards wide, and you've got to really send it down there, haven't you? Because you've got a long iron in your hand still. So um All
0: right, and here's the yeah. question. Sunday Sunday pins,
1: hmm.
0: ten handicap, a five handicap, and a scratch handicap. What do they shoot round the earth for Sunday pins? DP world well set up, long and rough, small fairways, quick hard greets.
1: Yeah, so I think you can for a scratch, I think you can probably... You've got a no gimmies. Yeah. I think for a scratch golfer, he'd probably expect to go round in seven to eight more than he'd normally shoot round there. For a five... What are they shooting then? What's the numbers? So I think a scratch golfer would be really content with breaking 80, like really content. You know, but 80 to 82. I think a five would be really happy with a 86 to 88. And a ten breaking ninety would be great. I mean, because you, you begin you're gonna be playing out. I the just think a ten time.
0: handicap is, a ten handicappers is just not breaking ninety. No.
1: Nah. Nah, yeah, not not sniffing
0: yeah. it. With every ball nah, having well, to go down. I just can't see it.
1: Well, yeah, talking just I tell you what, where that course that, that tees, course becomes so scorable. Yeah. Where that course becomes scorable is and where I think they've shot deep under par because pros are phenomenal at it especially tour pros you notice that, that so much, there's so many slopes around the earth course it, when they've tucked pins you can get quite a lot of groundwork you can get the ball helping you out a lot so I think I think you can still get the ball close enough to the hole but then obviously you've got 14 stint meter greens with like loads and loads of curve on them. So, I wouldn't even know how to answer that question, to be honest. The numbers are probably in way funny,
0: I think a scratch handicapper doesn't break 80. A five handicapper, I think they'll be more than happy to break 90. And I think a 10 handicapper is going to be shooting in mid 90s. Right.
1: Okay.
0: On, and without really playing too badly, is it, in my opinion? Um, yeah. From just because of the rough and the chipping around the greens. Actually, yeah, it's got to go down and it's so it's so long you know they've got 500 yard par fours like this <laughs> yeah it's absolutely beast like that and imagine you missed a fair win a 500 yard par four and he's hacking you out the hole mm, you're effed it becomes so it becomes so difficult
1: alright i was so impressed with how well they drove the ball because it, it was the landing areas were so tight they just had it on a string it was mad
0: that's the main difference between pros tour pros and um good amateurs, really, is that there's always this understanding or thought that, like, oh, it's all about the putter and they all hit it the same, but they don't. Like, they're not as good. The best players drive at the best more often than not as a general rule. And then the ones who are struggling to keep their card are maybe not quite as good off the tee as the very, very top boys. And I think that's kind of shown up by... There's obviously going to be anomalies to that rule, but now look at John Rahm, look at McIlroy like Dustin Johnson they're the best drivers in the ball in the world long and straight and yet they and they sit in that category where they've not even got to play good to be world number one they've not got to play their best to be world number one should I say whereas all the other players they've got to be at their absolute peak of their powers like a Jordan Spieth for instance he's got to be at the peak of his powers to be world number one so for me driving is always a thing and as I said that's what people don't realise like the course are longer and the roughs Thicker and the fairways are tighter, you know, and that's it. You know, I think if you could, you would save more shots off the tee than you would ever on the greens for me as, as a tour player because the all the tour players putt pretty good, really. I think if you went on the putting green, you would think that actually they're all as good as each other. If you go to the drive range and watch people that drive, but that's where you see the biggest disparity.
1: Well, I think the biggest testament to that. Is Matt Fitzpatrick, you know, added more speed, got way much, way better with driver. I and mean, he's added almost like 10 to 15 mile an hour ball speed, you know, maybe not quite 15 mile an hour. But he's always been recognized yeah, as, fast as you one know. Of the, <laughs> he's always been recognized as one of the best patterns in the game. But you know, just just what he's done with his long game has propelled him into the top 10 in the world he's made champion. He looks like he competes most week he plays. So I think I think your point's absolutely valid. And I would say that. You know, that's, that's as good a testament as you can get, right? Someone like Fitzy now just looks so money off the tee. Uh, and you know, he's a high 170, 180 player and, and hits, it, hits it dead straight. You know, now he's, like I said, major champion, top 10 goal from the world. And he's, he's there every week, isn't he? Really pushed Rory to the uh, brink this week and almost, almost trying to nick that, that race to Dubai from him. But uh, didn't quite get over the line. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good example, isn't he? Someone who uh, stepped it up and gone out of his way to actually get faster because he's always been mega straight. And that, I guess that is another thing that like he's always mega mega straight. So he was he was okay to go and try and get faster. I think if most people would just try and hit it further, just hit it further off line. I think I think the, the main advice is most people hit it straighter, then try and get long rather than I think there's a bit of a push towards us going hit it miles and you know people just starting to wangle it around him in the tree too many times. Yeah, exactly. So, so Jimbo, talk about it in bit further, your new driver talk talk a about that new tightness, T S R new shaft.
1: Yeah, yeah, new shaft, new completely new setup. I think it's been really good. I mean it came out here a little bit blind and um one thing with the hills is you can't hit woods on the range. So I didn't really get to get a proper grasp of the uh of the flight with it, but went for a fitting. Um Really like the head. I almost I always like the TS4, which I had, which was two generations old now in tightlist. And then with TSI, I moved, I moved back to the three. And I've been really, really enjoying now for some time the, the Ventus Red Shaft, but can sometimes feel the tip softening on me a little bit. So they've, they've now done a Vola version of that, which is even more stable in the tip. And the TS4 head's taken a bit of spin out. So I've got my spin numbers now around sort of 22, 2300. And, uh, and it just really feels like the ball keeps, keeps going forward. So probably carrying it five to eight yards less, but I'm getting so much more out of total driving and, um, I don't mind it not being in the air so long because it helps obviously with those offline shots. So yeah, no, I was, was really happy with that and, um, yeah, had, had the one that, uh, could go a little bit higher if I need to launch it a little bit more down the wind and ride it and uh, and all and, and actually manage to hit a right of the post uh, fade today, which is for those that play golf for me will know an anomaly in my game. So yeah, that's pretty good.
0: Did I I think you might neck that <laughs> <laughs> yeah?
1: Well my, the <laughs> middle of my club <laughs> in the hill.
0: Yeah, the hill was so. the middle. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um so and yeah, and also this this uh I think this will be quite a relatable story. Um I mean, now, now Nicole knows about the purchase, we can probably chat about it. Um, you did buy some new clubs recently, which were just an amazing looking set of clubs, I'll admit. They did yeah. absolutely brilliant, but frustratingly, they just didn't work, which is, how annoying is that? Like, a brand new set of clubs look great, it should be the right spec, but sometimes they just don't fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's obviously very tough with golf equipment. You go for fittings... And, you know, you're hitting, you're hitting balls off mats, which, which is a slightly different complex than hitting them off grass. Yeah, hit the ball and, it's definitely different off the mat. It just,
0: it, you know, you've got a bit more forgiveness, but the numbers definitely come out different off the mat. Like when I go to hit balls out with and I hit, I I'll, I'll get the quad out. My spin numbers drop a lot with irons from the mat, which is odd, you know. And, yeah. and it means mat to mat. Like if, it, if it's firmer. There's a firm part of the mat; it goes one way, and if it's a soft part of the mat, it it comes off. It is quite tricky to try and get that crossover, and also I was seeing a study recently that people' with dispersions off mats are much tighter than they off grass.
1: Well, less spin as well, right? So, um, so it, it will affect the side spin a bit as much as it will kind of the the flight and stuff of the shot. So, I think you would expect to disperse it slightly less um, with an iron because I think actually I'm, I'm normally kind of but the reason I've always played project X Shafts is I'm kind of I always work off seven iron and work my spin numbers kind of either side, but I'm a solid kind of sixty five to sixty-seven hundred um spin number, which is just under kind of, you know, I would probably say being quite optimal with, with you know, if you can always get uh, the number on the bottom of the club and get something as close to that with three zeros on the end of it, you're in a really good place, right? So seven nine is seven thousand, eight iron is eight thousand, so on and so on. So um but if I go and hit balls on a quad in a fitting setup off of a, off of a, a standard kind of driving range mat, I can spin it as low as like 4,800, 4,900, 7-iron. So it's so much more difficult to get a real understanding of kind of how the ball's actually operating. And, you know, in a lot of setups, you don't even get to play your own ball as well, which will make a massive difference to when you get out there. So, yeah, you've got to take all those things into consideration. Um, and I've always used the same grip, the same amount of tape underneath it. I always play the same swing weight. I've been playing Project X 6.5 shafts now for a few years. They've been really good to me. But, yeah, I've now had these Titleist 620 CBMB combos, which I tried to replace with Mizuno's, didn't work. Tried to replace them with Ping um, i-59s, looked amazing, didn't work, came out too low, and then gone through the motions now of obviously making this combo set of TaylorMage which I think I've been talking to you about for months and how, aesthetically I really really like them but when I got them out into a on course situation they just didn't profile behind the ball the same way and just came out totally differently so yeah and another set that probably uh, is looking for a new home on eBay I've done the same thing with putters actually you know that 5.5 head now I had the one before in the Phantom which is really good beard, and they brought a new one out which aesthetically is absolutely identical it's just a slightly bigger uh, hitting area so it's, uh, it's slightly more forgiving which is better for your kind of off centre strikes and I've tried to use a blade go to another mallet just just because I like chopping and changing and I love collecting gear but I can't move away from those tightless irons and but, I can't know, move away you know, from that you can't be saying
0: that sort of stuff can might be listening yeah She. You she be, tried to ring me. She probably got a live that. feed
1: into my hotel room.
0: But I'm
1: hearing all of this. I'm shutting your Amex down. So yeah, no. It, look, an experiment that just didn't come good, right? And um, yeah, managed to still hit some pretty nice iron shots today with my tightlist back in my bag. So I think they're uh, they're here to stay.
0: Yeah, for for at least a week or two, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm exactly.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah.
0: Equipment, isn't it? Like like at the moment, I've got this like. Got this sandwich that I bought, actually ended up buying from Replay Golf, uh, like literally secondhand. I just wanted to get something quick and it was like kind of a, a bit custom Vokey and the back was shaved. I thought, I'm just going to buy that. And it's been an absolute revelation. Uh, I reckon I've held, in last three rounds, I've, I think I've held like three or four shots off the green with it. It's just some secondhand thing, which I, I find that fascinating about golf now is that there's this whole like new underworld of like, you got all your new gear because you, you're, you're a man who likes your new, new golf gear and the brand new stuff. And, you know, my dad's, a, my dad's very similar. Like, he likes having all the, all the up-to-date gear, all the up-to-date stuff. But for myself, like, I just like stuff that works. And I just think, yeah. as you go on, I think you've got to be really picky with the companies because sometimes they do come out with new products that are not necessarily better than the last product. And that yeah. is something I would always question. Because, for instance, Richard Bland, Justin Rose, both still using the Telemed M2. And the M2, what we had, we had the 3, 4, 5, 6, Sim, Simmax, and now what on the Stealth? So seven, seven drivers old, that. And some of the best players in the world. And the most money, of anyone on the planet, is using drivers that are seven generations old, which is just mind-boggling. Well, it's not mind-boggling, it just shows what some, some, things, some things companies just get things right.
1: And I, and I read somewhere until Stealth came out, which I think Rory, for the first time, got really involved in the cosmetics and the build, and was asking TaylorMade to to make a driver that was much more in tune with how he delivers the club. He was he was sort of begging, begging, go on his leave. please, please, let me use it. <laughs> He wanted to go back to the uh, M two, right? But I think they were kind of like, no, you you you, you know, because a lot of people don't understand these pros, even though they're staff players, they've also got contractual obligations to stay in line with the latest technology and things like that. So even as a tailor made player, he wasn't able to go to something else within their within their range if if, if what I read to be is that, true.
0: Is that why is that why you change your stuff? Those obligations.
1: I haven't keep got up, obligations. I just, like, I just like I, I just like changing equipment. one thing the, <laughs> the one thing I would say, which I think's been very true and, and you're you're you do all, of,
0: Yeah and, and I would say you do always get left-handed clubs that is one constant
1: for you yes i do yeah i'm not not, making them i'm not making the move there but the the one thing i would say around the one thing i'd say around fittings for for the listeners which i would i would say actually people should take way more care over and and you and i've always discussed this and you've tinkered around with with the with this particular conversation which is which i think's working really well for you at the moment is way more people should do a ball fitting and actually get a golf ball because that's the only actual real consistent in golf that you do the same thing every single time. Doesn't matter whether you can driver, yeah, iron, lob wedge, putter, the thing that you hit the same time is always the golf ball and I would implore people actually um to go and get a proper ball fitting and, and not be completely biased to a particular manufacturer but Go and get a proper ball fitting because there's so many alternatives on the market now and the technology that goes into them, three piece, four piece, five piece, and things like that with golf balls now. And I think actually with that little change that you made recently and and because you you, you you found something with that left dash Pro B one X, which ninety-nine percent of people won't even know exists, you know, because it's somewhere in between the red and the black ball. And and that's worked wonders for you, hasn't it? Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Like it has. And I was, to, I was chatting to Todd Clements. He's, he's a, just got his tour card. Anyone that knows, knows the podcast will know that he's a friend of the podcast. And I, I, I've i coached him in the past. He's now one of my good, good, power young, up-and-coming players. And he's a tightest player through and through. And we were chatting about the different golf balls and so forth because, you know, I we played together last week and get on the green. And he loves all his equipment and stuff. He picks my ball up. Oh, he's got a left dash. And then um, he was talking about Adam Scott. In Adam Scott, is still using the Pro V1 2013 ball. Wow. He's using the ball, which is nine years old. And he's the only person. Everyone else has to move on from that. But there's still seven different Pro V1 Xs in play, as I understand it, different versions of it, which is mad, really. The reason i got the ball I've got now is because I played with Liam McDougall, who's the head tour boss man fitter at Titleist. And uh, this was a little while ago. I played with him and Ollie Ross, who's works for TBTT as well. And he had a, a proby one, and it sounded a bit clicky. Chipping. I said, that sounds a bit hard, that. He said, yeah, yeah, this is the one that the, the Corn Fairy players use. And if, you, if you're if you into your stats and whatever, it's worth going on go online and see your driving distances for the main tours. And the, the main tours, it, it may be updated in the last couple of years, but you've got PGA Tour, Corn Fairy Tour, Asian Tour, and uh, European Tour, or DP World. And it's like a grass. And the Asian tours are shortest. Let's say that for arguments let say so the average is around 285. And then PJ Tour is slightly, slightly higher than European, at about, you know, like 296, 297. But BP World and PJ Tour are very similar. But then the Cornberry Tour is like nearly 10 yards longer than those other tours. And he said that they all use this is the ball they all use, the 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 private one. Left dash, which is just that bit firmer. It's a clicky noise, but it still spins around the green. So if you can get past the noise, it still works really well. And obviously part of the Cornbury players hitting it further is maybe the course aren't quite as tight or as penal. Um, but they're slightly younger as well, so they're probably going after it a bit more. But everything is matched around distance. And yeah, and getting the ball right can surely be one of those. It's helped me a little bit. Um, I was using the Callaway ball previously to that. Again, really, really good ball. Probably the best ball in the wind, to be fair. I would say if you're if you playing a bit of wind and so forth, Callaway, for me, doesn't move as much as the others. And that's really impressive in the wind. Um, but yeah, it's like a bit more distance for that. It's tight as left dash. It's uh, worked quite well for me. I did try the normal black, one, but it just launched a bit low. It's a bit soft. Felt good around the green, but even chipping, it launched a bit low, to be honest. a bit shooty. Um depending on how you play it, that's another thing to kind of fit for, you know, how does it feel chipping and putting? You know, we all fit balls for drivers, don't we? But, um, you know, in your short game and so forth. So yeah, that was, it's been a bit, it's been a good change, that one. Um, so yeah, just, just moving on really, uh, getting back to our, our, experiences here in Dubai. Uh, the weather's been great. Spent a bit of time down at the Claude Harmon Academy. Actually got to spend a bit of time with Claude himself um, during the coverage of, um, of the DP World Championship. We, we worked together, did the commentary on, on course for the last kind of hour, uh, two hours or so. Always fascinating chatting to Floyd and hearing what he had to say about DJ and Brooks and mm. what's going on with the Liv. And you know what? He, from what he told me, it sounded exciting next year for Liv Ly- Tour. DJ owns his team. He's brought in a general manager from the NFL. You know, it's it's really taken off next year in, at, at team format. And, you know, I also listened to Keith Pelley here. He came on the radio, did an interview with us at Dubai Eye, and he, he kind of let it slip, maybe, that in 2024, there's going to be big money events, small fields, which, you know, that, that sounded like, okay, next year, there's still going to be a bit of ups and downs and turmoil between the tours, but 2024 something is afoot, and he's launching for the DP World. So... Um, I think, you know, we've got a really good time. I think golf's in a really good place at the moment. Uh, Todd Clements just got his card. Absolute best time to ever get his card. Got more money in golf now than ever before. What do you think, Jimbo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's it. You know, it must be very exciting for Todd. And he's um, obviously had such an uh, you know, exciting and successful amateur career and then has gone through some, some highs and lows as a pro, but you know, broke his duck, one on challenge tour this year. Um and now, you know, he goes through to the European tour. And if he can maybe, maybe he'll need to get a slight re rank or not, or be playing, I'm not sure. But I think for the first time this year on the European tour as well, if you play a certain number of events, I think they've guaranteed some money for players now, which but again, for yeah, those I think how people, it
0: works, just, chatting to him, I think how it works is that they kind of like, if you, um, I think you're good for 150 grand. So if you don't make 150 grand, they give you the rest of it.
1: Right. Okay. Cool. So you kind of got yeah, that underwritten, which, yeah, because yeah. again, I, I think from memory, when I was doing some management in the past, we're always working to the notion that a player will see forty to forty-three percent after all expenses, taxes, and things like that. So you know, still, that's kind of sixty k for you know in euros for a significant amount of time away, travel, you know, load of obligations. We're living out of a suitcase it's pretty tough. And then obviously you need to have the cash flow there to sort of part fund the following season and so forth and so forth. So I think it's great now that golfers are probably, you know, the most elite sport in the world. That's pretty much self-employed, you know, non-guaranteed about what money you make. You've got to perform in order to make a living. Um, And, and I think it's, I think it's really exciting. I think if we could just find this pinch point where we can get away from some of the, jovial he said she said and dick measuring exercises of the pga live and dp world tour you know we're in for some really really exciting tournament golfing campaigns and on the pga tour i'm just really looking forward to getting into the crux of of next season when i think they've got what six to eight twenty million dollar prize fund events as well next year i mean they're going to be brilliant coming down the stretch just wondering whether or not now there's another two and a half times on a traditional event you know, going from the kind of six to eight million dollar per per purses into those, whether or not people behave slightly differently or get a little bit more nervous in these events now, just because they're going to be playing for such more considerable amount of cash.
0: Yeah, I guess the two the two kind of trains of thought, isn't there? One is they've got a bit of house money to begin with. That's got to be a, quite a liberating factor. Yeah. Definitely. The other part would be, as you say, yeah, like you're paying for a lot more money now than you ever have done before. Which is amazing, really, you know, and, and about time too. I think top tier level sport to get to essentially the Premier League standard, you know, it's been a bit of a travesty that you could come out in a in a loss in the past. At least now you get, you know, the worst case you're going to break even and see a little bit for your troubles. Um, but yeah, for the young players like the world's they're oyster. Obviously, there, obviously, there's going to be people who lose their card as there always is. Um, but just really great times. You've got some, and some great leaders at the top there. Okay, here's one, here's one for you, Jimbo. I know my, I've had my favourite player this week for entertainment. But who was your favourite player at DP Worlds that you saw?
1: Well, I actually really enjoyed watching Alex Noron play. Um, I've always quite liked watching him play because you know I used to be a, a student at Matt Belsham, so I always stayed quite close to him, always understood. I'm well, hard... If
0: anyone doesn't know, Matt Belsham used to coach Alex Noron.
1: And um, I, I've always been someone who's been brought up you know, to have an exceptionally hard, hard work ethic. And he's always been someone who's been touted as a workhorse, you know, 15, 16 hour days on the range, he really, really grinds away at his game. I was so impressed actually how comfortable he looked in that environment with with all those top players, move the ball both ways. I mean, uh, and again, the way in which he makes that such big kind of swing for in his in his practice routine or in his pre-shot routine about kind of moving left and looks like it's to hold the face open and hit this kind of fade on uh, on, on call. But you know, quite often with a driver as well, he was sending kind of high, high sort of high draw bombs out there, and, and Rory wasn't actually pumping it that that deep past him. He was, you know, he was within five or ten yards of Rory, which actually i think it's quite quite impressive to be fair because rory hits it so deep and mm. yeah just everything about his game you know he hit a chip shot on eight which was so filth in front of like a stacked crowd because they had a big um hospitality bit at the back with a with a stand and he short sided himself a bit of a wedge from the fairway and spun it off the front of the green. So on this ludicrous upslope the pins cut really really sort of tight back left so he's got no green to work at all and it's kind of sitting in those kind of lies you know you get in dubai where the first cut meets the fairway and they can be a bit bitty and grainy so he's kind of in his in his practice shot he's fanned the what must be a lob wedge open and he's taken like you know sort of four to six inch divots with a shot that's only really got a carry 10 to 12 yards and he's just gone, boom! And he's hit this like you know, taking this sleeping bag of a diver. Everyone's going to. I think I generally think that the, the crowd thought he's back it, right? He's covered the bunker. Big old first, yeah, covered the bunker and 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 the first cut pitched it about four foot short, and it's kind of one one bounce, two bounce, and just geared up. And he's got a kick in, you know, for. His part, it was just such a filth shot. I, I was really, really, really impressed with him. I mean, all the top players in the world, I find really, really impressive. From, a, from a, to answer your question, from most entertaining, I just adore Tyrrell on the golf course. I just think he's such good value. You know, it's it's probably a bit of a. This of was, years he moment. was going
0: to be before before you uh, jump in there. He was going to be my one. But I was going to say if you go, uh, if you saw some of the like Zaya Golf, they posted some of his stuff. But there was just some brilliant moments. Which Tyrrell just, you know what you get with Tyrrell? You get drama, either really great, when they hone in on him, on the screen, on the TV, you're going to get drama, you're going to get a great shot, or you're going to get an amazing reaction and soundbite. And there was that, there was there was two, the, the first one, uh, I think the first one was when they're kind of in on the tee with him, and he just hits his shot, and as it takes off, he just turns away, starts walking off, and just gives it fuck off, straight away. And then the other one into the mulch. snipes yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and he just snipes it down the left into the bushes, and he's like, "I fucking hate this hole." Which <laughs> you know what? I think who who hasn't had that moment on the golf course? I know oh, I've definitely had those moments on the golf course. There's just some holes that have your number, which amazingly enough, it happened. There's some holes you get to, you just hit nice shots on. Wherever wherever happens, there's some holes you just think I play four round tournaments, and for some reason, four rounds in a row, you'll hit the ball in exactly the same bit of rough every day. Always almost throw a blanket yeah. where they go. And it was just, it's just good to like, you know, he's just so relatable, isn't he? Just like, and he's happy to be out there, just heads gone. I just, when he comes on the screen, especially as a commentator, he's not very good in terms of his sweat, you have to apologise for him. But he's great because he just gives you some brilliant entertainment um start to finish. He, on my first event commentating uh, for Discovery last year, did the PGA Tour for the Arnold Palmer. They, um had a real close-up of him. He missed the green left in the long rough. Had a really tricky lob shot. And the mic's right in on him. And, the, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, tyrrell has got a really difficult shot here, short-sided. And then you can hear the mic go up. So that at that point, you stop talking because you know that the caddy and the player are going to discuss it. So you stop talking and let them kind of run the show. And he just throws it. And all the gallery are right there. He's of to my to gallery. And he just goes to his caddy, right? Like clear as day on the telly this is a fucking joke. It's like, oh my God. So oh, sorry. Sorry about Till's language there. You know, know, very colourful language. Sorry about that. Big apologies. And then he has a couple of practice swings as if he's going to hit it. And he steps off and he just goes, got fucking no chance here. It's like, oh, sorry for Till's throwing there once again. You know, know, it's just obviously an intense moment. And to be fair to him, he stands up and plays one of the best love shots you'll see all year to about foot and a little tapping got a little ripple little smile with his caddy and off he went um but yeah it was um obviously not great for uh for maybe for the watershed moments um but yeah just absolutely brilliant uh i I love it when it comes on screen you know you're gonna get a sound sound soundbite out of him
1: well, just and and just watching him at DP, like he hit he hit a phenomenal shot into into five, which is kind of an iron off the tee. Uh, it's actually probably one of the more scoreable holes for the pros, isn't it? You know, it's a four iron kind of two forty down there into the fat part of the fairway, and then it's like a one twenty shot. And when where they cut the where they cut the hole on the Sunday, it was really tucked behind a bunker. But it was in again, like kind of one of those groundwork elements where. It could work left to right for you off the slope. It's almost in a bit of a bowl, or you could spin it back. And he covered the trap. He probably hit it like 118. He took one bounce and just stopped dead and just rolled out slightly. And he had about six feet, but slippery little thing left. And his caddy looks like quite a young lad. I'm not sure if his caddy changed or not, if, any, if he's gone down the kind of Rory route with Harry's gone, gone a friend on the bag. But if he misses a putt, the animation between walking from hitting it to kind of where he's then got to tap in from it's just like it's unbelievable Ban. he comes in with his like his, his putt stays in his right hand his left hand just starts like he just starts kind of you know like throwing the invisible dice or like feeding the goat or whatever his hand's just like how's that move there what, what you know what is what you know he just and, and the caddy just kind of walks up it's almost like he's glazed over just like He's ready just to put the pin in and walk to the next season. I can't, mate. Just tap it in. Yeah, let's just we'll go again on the next hole. You know, he's just like blocked it out. But you've got however many hundreds and, and thousands of people kind of around the green just watching this. Like I'm just I'm just all for it. I, because, like you said, I think it's it's so relatable. It's so incredibly mentally tough as a golfer to to kind of stay totally in control of all your emotions when all the things that that, that happen in golf. Take their toll over you, and uh, and he's quite. He obviously found a way where he can be quite extrovert and have these these kind of sound-offs where he just gets it all out in a little Tourette's moment for for kind of a couple of seconds almost. But then obviously learn to manage it and gets on the next tee and just starts ripping it again and, and making birdies because I think he still. You wouldn't have thought the way he kind of gets so elated that he can shot four or five under par, right? But obviously works for him.
0: Yeah, it's always a bad day for him, isn't it? The way he trots around the golf course. Um, but yeah, great, great fun. Um, okay, so got a couple of questions. Tom Price, kind of a golfer, underscore kind of a golfer, is asked. Interested to know what golf trips you guys have got planned in the future you're looking forward to. Um, I was supposed to be going to Mexico uh, for a program, which has now been put off. Uh, where
1: was that man, being played? Given... There was that was that
0: Marocoba or where were you going? No, with that? It was uh, the El Dorado Resort, which is a Discoveryland oh, right. Resort. Which we need to get Josh on. Really, we we'll have a little chat about that one day. Like the, the Discoveryland golf resorts, just do unbelievable golf experiences. So um, yeah, we need to get Josh on for that one because we visited one down in Portugal. If you ever do get fortunate enough to get invited to a Discoveryland facility, or would you call it a, a what do you call it? A piece of land. Go. It's uh, <laughs> the best golfing experience you could ever have, especially if you like tequila. Nice. And then golfing-wise, golf, golf trips, uh, Josh is actually Josh is down in Bahrain this week playing the King Hamad Trophy. Uh, so yeah. good luck to him. He's taken one of his students down there. He's not won that before. Yes, he, he has won that before. He, he's won that before once. Down at the Royal Club in Bahrain, so it really suits him down there. Uh, he likes playing the Middle East he's been playing really well all year he's not competed that much he's played a few Pro-Am so I'm pretty sure we can find a link somewhere and we'll check yeah he's had a, a couple
1: of Pro-Am tour on, wins on the Bear the year, Tiger
0: pod yeah we'll check the link up on clicking on my trophy so um, there's a couple of decent players down there so yeah we're looking out for that one and then golfing trips for me probably be back here in Dubai in January we've got Goats have got a Wentworth event. That's not really a golfing trip, I suppose. When's your next golfing trip, Timbo?
1: Um, well, I'm hoping that potentially there's there's Augusta again on the horizon. Had such an amazing trip there with uh, JLT Nigel and a few of the guys uh, last April. So that's a that's a possible. I think I've got a, a Florida trip at the end of May June, which is a the TBTC trip, which is um, really looking forward to. And then haven't really planned much beyond there. Uh, you know, sort of you know, don't really work much more than kind of six months in advance. I guess again, not so much of a trip, but a period of goal falling um concession. Uh, Josh and I are entered into for our third showing of the uh Sunningdale Forsoms in March on March the sixth. So hopefully managed to get into that again and that'll be uh that'll be good. So um the goal my game wasn't quite there last year as it was the year before so um but yeah, Phil, under pressure Phil, now
0: mate if you, if you keep if you don't play very well you won't be getting that next year so
1: yeah I know it was a bit tough to go this year he kind of he put me under the gun but I've been playing a lot better since he uh, since he put me under the gun and adding a five within to the bag this year which will I think will will be really really useful around Sun so yeah looking forward to that so yeah some stuff coming up but it's, yeah. it's winter at the moment isn't it I think we're trying to get in the simulators a bit now get practicing. in
0: um, well, here's a, here's a question which was um, which uh, Robbie Greenfield put to us on the uh, radio show, which I thought was quite good. So, without too too long explanation, don't have too much time, the first question is going to be: we'll, we'll both do it. Will Rory win a major next year?
1: Yes, I think he'll win more than
0: one. And more than one. I think he'll win one for sure. I hope. Fingers crossed. It's going to be the Masters. Uh, fingers crossed for that one. Be right back at Hoylake where he before. But yeah, the master, I think he'll win one. Second one would be, who's going to be the breakout player next year?
1: Oh, it's a good one. Um, who's going to be the breakout player next year? Oh, it's really tough to go on the spot with that. I really quite like the look of this lad, uh, Montgomery, who's come on to the PGA Tour at the back end of this Colin. season.
0: Colin Montgomery, he's never heard of him. What's the other one?
1: Yeah, I think he's with a Y on the Do you
0: year. even know his first name? You know I think it begins. With, Come I on, I think babe. it's tr- is it Troy. This is a like an question for,
1: isn't it? Without googling it, Beg- I think it begins with T. I think. I think is it Troy?
0: No. No. It might even you be get
1: Taylor. One more guess. Okay.
0: Yes, no. Taylor. That's what it is. There you
1: go. Okay. I cool. Hear,
0: I can hear you tap into your phone.
1: Right, no, I'm, I'm not Google Google Google. Google. My, arm, my arms. <laughs> my arms. My arms are crossed. i was tapping my feet. I was elated with that. Yeah, I, I think. When, when he's come on the screen, I think he's looked like a really, really complete golfer. But he's not, uh, to not sort of be so much of a breakout, he kind of broke out last year. I'm really looking forward to watching Cameron Young get into his season this year. I thought he was uh, a phenomenal player right, that, that came that's, through that's
0: last Two year. names, two names, two yeah. names. He's 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 done this year. Apparently he was on his way to live, but he, he backed out last minute, uh, little birdie told me. Um, and then the last one is, will we win the Ryder Cup?
1: Oh um, well, home soil. It's going to be tough. I think it be. I think it'll be tighter than people expect. I think America think they're turning up there and they're going to ramp. They're going to rampage us. But yeah, I think we need a couple of our more experienced golfers who are going to come in as picks to like really, really play their part. You know, someone like a Justin Rose needs to, and he looks like he's potentially coming back into form. Um, At the same token, I think we need some of our rookies to like. Really explode onto the scene. I'm looking forward to seeing maybe like the Hoygar brothers get involved. But I think obviously Rahm and Rory are pretty red hot at the moment. Hovland won't be; it'll be you know it won't be a rookie anymore. I wouldn't want to say we'll win it, but I think we'll give him a really good game.
0: That's How about right. you? Uh, so As a sort of. Uh, I think yeah, Ryder Cup. I, I just really like the way uh, it's shaped up for Europe now. And um, I think we're back, and I think our good players are playing amazingly. So yeah, I think Europe are gonna. I think we're going to do it on home soil. You've got that home advantage. There go. Just real quick, before we head to the head gone. I have had a, um, one of the questions come in from Ian Finnis, uh, Finno, who's at Tommy's feet with Caddy. Oh, nice. Um, earlier this year on Sky, we had to pick our Ryder Cup team. And at that time, Tommy wasn't in my team. He wasn't quite informed. I didn't have him in there. And he just asked, do you still not have Tommy in your Ryder Cup team? Smiley face. And the little monkey face with his hand, hands over his eyes. So, yes. You uh, know, I'm gonna eat humble pie there. I've already responded to him. I said, "Fuck's sake, maybe I need to retire from punditry." He's straight in now. So yes, Tommy is straight in that team. He is back with a vengeance, which is brilliant to see. Uh, and he's got a top boy there. You know, so yeah, uh, fair play for that Richards. one. Any heads gone? That's my. That's my head's gone. What's your head gone this week?
1: Well, I had an upgrade to go home, which I was quite happy with on Emirates. So I was you know, been stacking up some pretty decent points because we come to Dubai so much and finally got a points upgrade to get home. So I thought, oh, that'd be nice, you know, get myself in in business class to come going going back to the UK tomorrow. I've got buckets of stuff to get on, I need to get home to my, my wife who's suffering from a chest infection. So I'm hoping she gets well soon. But um as soon as I could get my upgrade and family get excited about it, they pulled it back off me. So, uh, and that was, that's my husband's, uh <laughs> head <his> <laughs> that,
0: is, that is a proper head gun. Cheers, Henry. Nice. Cheers. You know what? I keep getting these, like, lounge offers. And it's like, £130 to go and use a lounge. But you can't, it doesn't give you fast track, doesn't give you any other benefits, other than you get to go into their lounge. And, like, you know, like, the food's okay, isn't it? But, For 130 quid, like, I might as well go and buy my own bottle of champagne outside and just swing it at Starbucks. I just can't, I I can't understand what the appeal is.
1: And without the fast track and knowing the sort of time that you normally turn up to the uh, airport, you'll get about seven minutes in the lounge. So that's about, it's about 15 quid a minute. Doesn't really make sense. It's
0: the, it's the thing, it's the thing, the later you get to the airport, my experience, the later you get to the airport, the less you queue. They will always (laughs) try and get you on the flight. Like honestly, this two-hour thing—you just rock up, and you're like, oh, I would like to pose, and yeah, that's me. They pull you out the queue, On you go—that <laughs> is the way to roll. That—that was—that was what my takeaway from uh, twenty years of playing uh, tour life golf. But yeah, all. we've covered a reasonable amount there, Jimbo. Some nice little sound bites for us there, and hope everyone's having a really good week. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, like, follow, subscribe at Bear Tiger. Club is our handles. Bear Tiger is it Bear Tiger Club at Bear Tiger Club? Yeah. At Bear but, Tiger Club is our handles. BearTiger.io is our website. And uh, yeah, just get in and get amongst it.
1: Get amongst it. Right, then, I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, mate. Enjoy that flight home. Thank you.